Welcome to Morning Devotion with Ken Gurley. Devotions designed to inspire you on your daily walk with God. Here's your host, Ken Gurley. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome this Tuesday morning, February 9, 2021, like feathers in the wind. The sin God hates most. Oh, man, are we in for it today, folks? Steel-toed shoes, you better get ready. Thank you for being here. Kimberly, Amelia, Jonathan, Winnie, Susan. Thank you. Thank you for being a part of this. Like, share, follow. Welcome to one and all. And we're going to see some good things happen in today's devotion. And I believe that. I believe that the Lord's going to help us. and The Lord's going to see us through this. And um, so much I need to tell you. I need to tell you about a brief devotion given in a Moscow Starbucks. Need to tell you a fable. Been around for centuries in different forms. Need to tell you a personal story. As Brother Holly used to say, I talk about me to keep from talking about you. Yes. Then we're going to go to the Word of God. and We're going to see the mirror capable of seeing ourselves. But most importantly... The Holy Spirit is needing to move right now on human spirits. And that's something that only you and I can allow God to do. Like feathers in the wind, the sin God hates most. Would you take a moment? Take a moment, Matthew, Hope, Michelle, Kathy. Take a moment. Leave a prayer request out to the side. And there are so many, many in this morning devotion family right now, this very moment. Need your prayers. There's sickness. There's difficulties. This morning, one of our faithful followers, uh, we're laying her husband to rest in a memorial service today. Jean Courts. So many of you, so many of you, so many needs during this time. So before we dive into this subject, let's just take a moment and say, God knows. And God's going to see us through. Encourage one another. Don't don't be out there in the distant. Dive in. If you're watching this later in the day, go ahead and dive into the comments. Go back, say a prayer like many of us do, going back through the day, threading through the comments, just whispering a prayer over people. Today is a very important day. I think this is going to help you. Uh, this is a direct manifestation, as will one other devotion this week, if the Lord still leads me the right direction. This is a direct manifestation of a comment made last Friday that one of your comments really provoked this. And I hope this helps you. I hope this helps you. Last Friday, if you remember, I talked about forgiveness and the power of forgiveness and that we shouldn't have an unforgiving spirit. And uh, one of you made a comment. I won't identify which comment it was or who it was, but it touched my heart. And I just wanted to share this with you today. And I hope it helps. I really do. Like feathers in the wind, the sin God hates most. If you write, if you speak, you're always taught to avoid superlatives. Never say the best. Never say the worst. Never say Always and always, never, ever say never. Yeah, because those words box you in and for there's always exceptions to the rule and there's always something worse than what you think worst and better than what you think best. And when you see never, there may be an exception to that rule. But in this case, I think we can say there is a sin God hates 
most. And what? It's one of the most neglected subjects in all of Christianity. It is the most neglected subject probably in our movement. There is a sin that's so closely associated with Satan, a sin that shuts down revival, a sin that closes more church, more churches than any other sin, divides more friends than all else, has wreaked more havoc, have ruined more lives, have prompted more prodigals, destroyed more peace of mind, wrecked more families. There is a sin, but it's a respectable sin. It's permitted. It's tolerated. It's even encouraged. It's even laughed about it. It's embraced. Tell me more about it where I can pray about it. It's found in those thought the holiest of them all, a sin that you've committed, a sin that I committed as well, a sin that we can commit and never even participate in. Oh, this is, this is striking. One of those sins that just by being in its presence, we're involved in it. It's a permitted poison, a tolerated toxin, a celebrated sin, and it harms everybody involved. The one who performs the sin, the one who hears the sin, and the one toward whom the sin is directed and everybody that person loves. Yeah, it's absolutely the worst sin of them all. God hates it. God hates it. You see, when you study scripture, you learn something. God has a character. He's not just a a blob. He, He has a character. There are things in our hearts and lives that conform to his character or they don't. Those things that do not conform to his character, those that most directly oppose his love and his holiness, they're called abominations in scripture. There's abominations to man, abominations to God. These are the things that are absolutely detestable in the Lord's sight. The things that are vile to the God who calls himself love. A collection of these seven hated things, these seven abominations are found in Proverbs 6. These six things doth the Lord hate. Yea, seven are abomination to him. Proud look, lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises a wicked imagination, feet that be swift in running to mischief, a false witness that speaks lies, and he that sows discord amongst the brethren. Seven things God hates. But pastor, how can you tell which one is the worst, the one he hates most? Well, you have to skip 20 chapters over Proverbs 26. And there Solomon says in verse 25 that there is a certain type of person that has all seven of these abominations in their heart. All seven of the things God hates. You say, who is that person? What can be that person? And if it's, if that one person has the seven things God hates, surely that's the worst sin of them all. Well, you've got to back up to verse 22 and you find the different words in different translation. The person that has all seven abominations in his heart. One translation says it's the whisperer, another the talebearer, another the slanderer and another, the gossip. The gossip has all seven abominations, the things that God hates. One person, the gossip, has all seven in his heart. So I can say with assurity, gossip is the sin that God hates the most. How are we doing out there right now? Are we doing okay? 
Oh, I hate to even call names. I see your names flowing by. But if I call your names, you're going to think that I singled you out right now. And I think you're a gossip. So I'm I'm just not looking at your names as they fly by right now. But is everybody okay out there? Are you all right right now? You see, gossip is the sin that God hates the most. Someone wrote this. My name is Gossip. I have no respect for justice. I maim without killing. I break hearts. I ruin lives. I am cunning and malicious and gather strength with age. The more I am quoted, the more I am believed. I flourish at every level of society. My victims are helpless. They can't protect themselves against me because I have no name, no face. To track me down is impossible. And the harder you try, the more elusive I become. I am nobody's friend. Once I tarnish a reputation, it's never the same. I topple governments. I wreck marriages. I run careers. I cause sleepless nights, heartaches, indigestion. I spawn suspicion and generate grief. I make innocent people cry on their pillows. Even my name hisses. I'm called gossip, party gossip, telephone gossip. And don't forget church gossip. I make headlines and headaches. But before you repeat a story, ask yourself, is this really true? Is it necessary? If it don't, if it's not, then don't say it. Don't listen to it. If you were to do a Bible study on gossip, you're going to find many enlightening things that it goes by many different names. In the Old Testament, there's six Hebrew words used to describe gossip. From them, we get, oh, four English words. Backbiter, one who speaks maliciously about another. Slanderer, a hidden gossip, a sly tongue. Tailbearer, whisper. In the New Testament, yes, it goes in the New Testament. Because one thing you're going to find out about God If it's an abomination to God, what he hated yesterday, he still hates today. He hasn't changed. His character hasn't changed. He's the God that changes not. If he hated it yesterday, he hates it today. The New Testament words, we've got the same words, whisperer and backbiter, but we also have some other words, a busybody, a meddler, a tattler. It was Lene who offered up a classification of things in the natural order, a way to classify anything living, you know, kingdom, phylum, class order, genus, family, species. Slander belongs to the, the family of lying and liars are a part of Satan's kingdom. Violates the fifth commandment. It will take a person straight to hell, regardless of how long they've been in the church, regardless of how much they pray, regardless of their years of reputation. Their slander can even be true. What they're saying about a person can even be true, but should they be saying it at all? When Alan Redpath pastored, he formed small groups in his church. He called them think groups based on Philippians 4.18. Think on these things. T, is it true? H, is it helpful? I, is it inspiring? N, is it necessary? K, is it kind? Mother Teresa, when they had difficulties in the the sisterhood and the order, she would say, we're going to have to discuss some things and we're going to have to discuss some people. She would make everybody hold out their hands and she would say, I want you to imagine that person as a very little person in the palm of your hand because we could crush that person with our words. If you can't pass the think test, Alan Redpath said, don't say it. He noticed something in his church when people started practicing this, lives were transformed, Church, the church changed. How transformative would it be in any family, any group, how contrary to the spirit of the slanderer 
whose tongues are set on fire with hellfire. How does God view slander and gossip? Romans 1 is perhaps the most frightening chapter in all of the New Testament. I don't know. There may be one in Revelation more frightening. But Paul speaks of a people who turn from God to worship the creature. And it speaks of, he speaks of God giving them up, turning them over to their unnatural affections, their base passions, because they forgot God. Then Paul goes on to describe these people that God has just turned over, turned loose. He said, Here, here's how you're going to know these people. They're gossips, they're slanderers, they're inventors of evil, they're heartless, they're ruthless, they're full of envy, malice, they're malicious. Here's what Paul said, all of these, all of those who practice such things, all those who give approval to those who do practice such things. Yeah, Paul said that. All who practice and all who approve of it, the gossip, the slander, everybody that enjoys listening to them. Paul said, all of them, and I quote Romans 132, they all deserve to die. Yeah, that's what Paul said. First Corinthians 511, don't sit down and fellowship with a slanderer. Don't be in the company of a slanderer. Evil company corrupts good morals. First Corinthians 513, don't be associated with a gossip. We're not ignorant of Satan's devices. Satan, the accuser, devil, diabolos, the slanderer, the backbiter. Satan is satisfied if we're like him, if we take on his nature, if we backbite and slander. I know this is rough going for morning devotion. Oh, can I get a witness? Somebody say I went, I took off my house shoes and my slippers and my footies and I put on my steel-toed boots. Brother Gurley, this is rough this morning. I know it is. I'm trying to help somebody. This remains one of the most pitiful, heart-wrenching traits of the self-righteous. I believe it's the reason we have many backsliders in the world today. I believe it's the reason many hiss at the church and all things godly. For the very people who should not slander and who should not gossip and who shouldn't engage in mudslinging, we do. Sometimes we do it cheerfully, happily willing to pin a scarlet letter on the fallen woman. As those misguided folks in Salem centuries ago, gleefully looking for witches or anybody different in our midst to torture, kill, ostracize. We who have been forgiven of so much, folks, we should love so much. But there's a little Pharisee within each of us who'd rather point the publican out amongst us to hide our own sins to feel better about our own selves, to get a leg up on a situation. Is that rough? Am I, am I being too tough here today? I, why do people gossip? Why do they slander? I, I, I could tell you there's a thousand one reasons, esteem, inferiority complex, whatever. But Solomon said it's because gossip, they're tasty words. They're delicate morsels. They're sweet to the mouth, but poison to the souls. It's a way of deflecting attention from ourselves. Better to talk about others we reason to let people know how bad off I really am. The gossip is free to say she's an adulterer. He's a drug addict. They got a devil. Those people are worldly. That one has a Jezebel spirit. They're filled with envy. They've got territorial spirits. They're, they're proud. They're worldly. 
I wonder what would happen if we looked at a person who was saying such a things and say, say to this, and you are a slanderer. You are a backbiter. You are a talebearer, and you are a gossip and you're just like your father, the devil. Yeah. I guess you would lose a few friends, wouldn't you? But maybe those are the ones we need to lose. I think we need to look at people like that and speak truth and love and say, you're more lost than any of the people you described. For you're deceived and you're delusional. You sit in the seat of the scornful and your tongue is set on fire with hellfire. I wonder what would happen if we simply call people out as what they are. Yeah, they're not just a worshiper. They're not just a great singer. They're not just an engineer. They're not just an accountant. Oh, yes. They're not just a preacher. Let's call them what they are. And by their fruits, we will know them. They're gossips. They're slanderers. They're children of the enemy. That's not a prayer warrior. That's not a great mother. That's not a great student of the word. That's not a great servant of God. If they gossip and if they backbite, it doesn't matter what their great qualities are doesn't matter what great qualities I may have. If anything I could do or say, if I cannot get my tongue in control, then I'm playing for the wrong team. Some of you may follow Rick Renner. I enjoy his word studies, Hebrews and Greek gems. I've got several of his books. The most impressed I've ever been with Rick is something that he shared impromptu at a Starbucks in Moscow where he ministers. He was preparing to preach. And when I say preparing to preach, you may think that looks like a big table with a lot of books stacked up to a ceiling and notes and charts and scrolls and underlined words and highlighters. No, any true preacher will tell you this. Preparing the message is not the hard part. Preparing your heart is the toughest part because from the abundance of the heart, the mouth is going to speak. What you've filled your heart and mind with will emerge in your words. So preparing your heart's a tough task. So Rick was seated in a Starbucks in Moscow, reading his Bible, drinking a cup of coffee, being a witness. There was a hidden motive. He's just preparing his heart, just preparing his heart. And as he read, he came across Proverbs 6 and just something hit him. And he, he went live for just a moment, two or three minutes. You can find it out there. And he read from that passage in Proverbs 6, the seven things God hates. And he talked for a moment how the Jewish rabbis rank sins. Some view slander worse than murder. Now, when you think about it, when a person is murdered, they can only die once. But when a person is slandered, they are killed again and again and again, day in, day out, as that rumor, that gossip, that malicious word travels throughout the networking community. Slander is a killing spree. It's a mass murderer. It's a mass murder happening on a daily basis. Reputations destroyed. Good names ruined. Tyron Edwards said to murder character is truly a crime as to murder the body. The tongue of the slanderer is the brother to the dagger of the assassin. Wow. Alan Barth said character assassination is at once easier and surer than physical assault. It involves far less risk for the assassin. It leaves him free to commit the same deed over and over again and may indeed win him honors of a hero, even in the country of his victims. Jesus warned about the power of the tongue in the Sermon on the Mount. 
Today, I watch people being interviewed for high offices in our land. I see people that have excelled in their friend, their fields, self-made men and women that have overcome all sorts of obstacles. But we see how a bit of slander can define them. Supposed misdeeds from their past can be spread and forever mar their character. You probably don't remember Raymond Donovan. He was the former Secretary of Labor indicted in the Reagan administration for corruption charges. He he was said to have ties with a construction company who had mob connections, indicted, tried. His defense never called a single witness because the prosecution couldn't even prove Donovan had done anything remotely wrong. The defense rested its case before even offering one, and the jury unanimously declared him not guilty. But he walked out a free man. But after tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars of legal expense and hundreds of stories in the media and thousands of retelling of the events with friends turning their back on him, enemies delighting in it, when he was interviewed by the media, he asked an immortal question, which office do I go to to get my reputation back? You can't. There's no office for restoring reputation. The media who spread the story, the gossipers who run with the lie, they're not going to apologize. They're not going to make it right. They're off chasing the next rumor, their next victim. It's like feathers, feathers in the wind. There's an old Jewish fable with many variations at a town gossip spread a hurtful rumor about a local businessman. It destroyed him. It destroyed his livelihood. It destroyed his family's business. You ever been there? You ever been there? Whew, this is rough. This is rough. When it's revealed that it was all in error, there's, that's a kind way of saying it was a lie. Unusually for a town gossip, she felt remorse, went to the rabbi. It was a beautiful day, the breeze blowing, windows open, And um, she confessed what she did, what she had spread about this businessman. The the town gossip admitted what she had done. And the rabbi said, do you have a pillow? And she said, well, not with me. He said, go back and get a pillow, bring it here. She brought the pillow back to the rabbi's house. Rabbi handed the gossip a knife and said, stab the pillow. The gossip did so. The rabbi said, that's what gossip does. It's a character assassination. Then the rabbi said, shake the pillow. The gossip shook the pillow and the breeze captured the many feathers. And soon the pillow was emptied of feathers and down and some within the house, but many more on the wind and carried out into the community. And as the last floated away, the rabbi said, now go capture every feather and bring it back. The gossip said, I can't do that. That's impossible. And the rabbi said, yes. And that's the way it is with gossip and slander. Those words you spoke are like feathers in the wind. People's names are destroyed. Reputations are ruined. They'll never be restored in this life because gossip, the sin God hates the most, is like feathers in the wind. You can't get it back. It's out there. And this is where it gets very personal for each and every one of us. But let me talk about me to keep from talking about you. Many years ago, early in my ministry, I had a person who just didn't seem to like me, made no secret of it, told me not once, but many times he did not like me. He told me in front of other people, told me privately. He said he made it his business. He was going to destroy me. He said he would do it. He told me that I'm going to destroy you. And he did his best. I have to hand it to him. He did his best. And how he did it, he did it with lies. The many, many, many lies the man told. 
After one particularly crazy outlandish lie, even he got to feeling bad about it and called me and said, Ken, need to tell you something, something bad I did. I just said this and this and this about you. <laughs> and I'm feeling bad about it. I was appalled. I said, why did you say that? He said, I don't know. I was mad. I was mad. I said it. But then he asked those words that only the most exquisite of tone-deaf, ten-eared gossips can ask. Will you forgive me? Gossips, those hurlers of verbal hand grenades, those linguistic sociopaths of the soul, know that you and I are going to forgive him. I did, still do. He's still out there, as far as I know, still spreading lies. But I asked him, could you please, on this one occasion, could you please go correct this? Can you make it right? Can you go tell the people you told that you were wrong? He laughed and said, ah, Ken, you know how it is. And he just started giggling. He said, it's like feathers in the wind. You'll never get it back. And for years and years now, I've had to live with those lies. As we've grown farther apart, they don't affect me much. But there was a time that I had to face those lies each and every day of my life, like feathers in the wind. And even today, I still come across people that look at me funny. And I I think, oh, yeah. You've probably heard which batch of lies. Through the years, I've heard so many lies about me that I I must have more time on my hands than what I, I think I do. I endured a recent bout of it. Oh, have I? And that's pretty much all of us, isn't it? We endure it. You can't defend yourself. And if you don't have friends who stand up for you, you just endure it. For me, it's part of becoming who God means for me to be. I've got to have a little trust, just little trust in the flesh and be more like him. Because I know flesh is weak, surprisingly weak. Relationships, they're fragile. Solomon said a little slander can destroy the best of friends. I want to ask you something today. Have you been hurt by a slanderer? Have you been hurt by gossip? I feel for you. I really do. And to you, I simply say, you'll see those feathers swirling in the wind for many years to come. You'll want to defend yourself. Don't. Because people are going to choose to believe what they want to believe. Once great friendships will be broken, let them be. For if they believe that about you or spread that about you, they're not your friend. Because a friend loveth at all times. You will want to set the record straight. But one thing about slanderers you need to know, they've told so many lies, they don't remember the lies they told about you. Let God keep the records. Let God be your judge. That, and you persevere. You keep walking. You keep living. You keep moving. Can I ask you something? Something very personal. Are you in the company of slanderers? Are those your friends? You need to reconsider your friendships. Because God judges the slanderer, but he also judges those who take pleasure in the slanderer's sins. Don't ever be friends with slanders. Run from them. They're toxic to your soul. Remember this saying, great minds discuss ideas. Average minds discuss events. Small minds discuss other people. You reveal more about yourself by running with such people. Then can I ask you a really personal question? Do you have a problem with slander or gossip? Then it's high time to tame your tongue. The only way I know to do it, the only way I know I do, I know to do it is to fill your heart and mind 
with the presence of God. You see, a good fountain cannot put forth both bitter water and sweet water. You've got to go to the source of it all. You've got to get to the inner well, the inner heart of the spirit. Paul said in Ephesians 4, don't let unwholesome speech come out of your mouths, but only those things which build each other up. Like feathers in the wind, the sin that God hates the most, slander, gossip. We need to form some clubs, and I hope Morning Devotion is that place where we think on these things. T, is it true? H, is it helpful? I, is it inspiring? N, is it necessary? K, is it kind? Let's focus on those things. And I believe we're going to see tremendous revival. Would you share this? Would you share this with someone who may have been hurt by a gossip? Someone who may have strayed? Share this with others. And let's build some think clubs. And let's build some mutually edifying groups that encourage one another in the Lord. God bless you. I took a little long today, but I wanted to share that with you from my heart. May the Lord be with you. I look forward to seeing you again tomorrow. Thank you for listening to Morning Devotion with Ken Gurley. Join us next time for another inspiring devotion. To support this ministry, please visit firstchurch.com forward slash give.